Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toddler Purgatory. I'm one of your hosts, Molly. Hey, hey, I'm Blair. And today we're talking about... (sighs) Why are we so tired all the time? That actually made me really yawn. Yes. Don't you think that yawns are contagious? Is that a thing? Is that a scientific fact? It is a scientific fact, indeed. But you were fake yawning. I was fake yawning just to, like, intro the bit, but... <laughs> That's how good you are. Oh, dang, thanks. That's how good you are at being tired. I'm an actor. I've played tired in quite a few commercials. <laughs> yes, why are we so tired all the time? Here's the other thing about yawns. I remember one time in school that one of my teachers said he's never insulted when he looks out into his sea of students and sees someone yawning because that's a kid who's trying to stay awake. It's like the brain needs oxygen or whatever the yawn is. And so he's like, at least that body is trying to stay awake. And I was like, permission granted. Permission granted. Also, like, check your ego, too, right? Yeah. (laughs) You mean the teacher? (laughs) Yeah. How dare he? Like, okay. You're doing a fine job, sir. (laughs) My body just needs a little bit of oxygen. So I think that actually kind of reminds me of what we're all trying to do here, which is stay awake as parents, literally and figuratively. Literally. Why are we so tired all the time? Parental exhaustion. It happens to all parents, right? You know, today we're going to focus a lot on moms, but, you know, it can happen to all parents a lot, primary caregivers or... or You know, someone who takes care of children on a heavy daily basis is having this. You know, I read this article in, it's a study actually in the National Library of Medicine, United States National Library of Medicine. That sounds legit. You know what? It had .gov at the end. So I was like, yes. Oh, Mm, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and this was a research project that was built sort of in conjunction with another one in Belgium from 2015. So this is kind of building on that. And they interviewed a bunch of moms who were experiencing parental exhaustion, parental burnout, and they said, this is so interesting. Their analysis revealed a superordinate. I don't know what that means. I don't know. It's not subordinate. It's superordinate. So I guess prevailing, like a prevailing theme of fear, which was central in every aspect of the mother's accounts of their experiences, from the fear of not being a good enough mother to the fear related to unlearning control. That was interesting to me. And experiencing discontinuity of one's sense of self, feeling disconnected from yourself. (sighs) Yes, superordinate theme of fear. So we go through our day. This is so identifiable to me. We go through our day. (laughs) I don't know if mine is a superordinate theme, but I definitely have like a low-lying line or a thread of fear throughout my day. Like wanting my kid to be careful, but having read an article that says you shouldn't use the word be careful. So you have to reframe that some way, right? So our brains are constantly tick, tock, tick, tock, trying to change how we parent, how to be a better parent, how not to lose it, how to have our own life, how to answer emails on my phone while my kid's in the room. And I don't want him to think that my phone is more important to him, but it's, you know, a Monday through Friday between nine and six, I got to answer my emails, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we are carrying this burden all day long. And frankly, it gets exhausting. It gets exhausting. It's the load. It's so funny. This morning I woke up. It's not funny. Nothing is funny, actually. Not funny. Ha ha. topic. Not funny. Ha ha. More like funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, that old gag. Yes. That old one. I woke up this morning and literally I was like, okay, Halloween costume is done. Now I have to figure out what 
I need to do to get ready for Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I woke up this morning and that's where my brain went because it's like I have this running list of things that I have to do. And I know for me, and I know there's a lot of moms out that are like me where I do too much sometimes, but just A, it's a control thing for me. Mm -hmm. If you ask my therapist and B, it's also I just like to make things nice because I feel like making things nice makes it nice for everyone else to enjoy. But then on the flip side of that, I get real tired and exhausted that I can't enjoy it myself. Yes, that is so true. So that we're stressing ourselves out here. Mm hmm. Trying to make everything, well, that NLM article, I'm going to refer to it as the NLM article, National Library of Medicine, perhaps you've heard of it, .gov. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They said the same thing. They said, how do we get so exhausted? And one of the number one reasons was perfectionism. All the participants conveyed that they had a great sense of duty. Just like what you're saying, it is my job, it is my role, and I want to make life nice, my home nice, my children's experiences nice. Mm -hmm. So that's why Halloween is such a big deal, right? We want to create good memories. And here's the thing, too, which is cray cray in my brain brain. Yep. Is that I'm a person who really I could care less what other people think. I can confirm that. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, whatever. OK, you're good. You're living your life. You're confident with yourself. Yeah, I can confirm that. I really try. And more than anything, the things that when I say that, like, I have this like air of perfectionism <laughs> is really honest and truly just trying to make it nice for my family, for my kids, making it a good experience, making it meaningful. Yes. You know, more than anything, making it meaningful. So which makes it I don't know. Is it worse? I'm feeling this pressure and judgment on myself mm -hmm. and I don't really care about anybody outside of, you know, my immediate doorway. You know, it's weird. Right. Oh, I'm so tired. Well, that's kind of good because I think I'm on sort of other end of that, which is and I find myself rejecting this in a hardcore way. I rebuke you, <laughs> which is the societal norms mm -hmm. of parenting of even like I know, listener, you may be listening to this in May, but you know, this is sort of around the time of Halloween. And I go by these houses and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're creating such an incredible world for their kids, you know, or whatever. And I think to myself, am I not doing enough as a mom? Mm. Oh my gosh. Now that's going to make me stay up at night. Mm. There's so many things that keep me up at night. <laughs> oh, so many. And also, we cannot discount the fact that as of this taping, we are still very much in the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, we cannot discount that. I mean, it's a lot. That's part of human being exhaustion right now. I was talking to someone, maybe it was my therapist, and I think she was saying that people are really struggling right now in this like two point whatever years. Yeah. Crazy that we've been in this, mm -hmm. that... Our bodies are physiologically not like supposed to be able to withstand this kind of stress and trauma. Was it me? You talking, Molly? Was it you? Sometimes you are my therapist. I may have mentioned this article to you, which was maybe written by your therapist, <laughs> which was <laughs> the same thing. Our human beings, bodies and minds are not built to sustain, mm -mm, sustain, mm -mm. fight or flight to sustain a survival mode for this long. Mm, right. That's it. It was you and my therapist. My therapist. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure it was your therapist, too, because it's true. We have been in survival mode for so long that our everything is just breaking down. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
And we're all doing the things that we have to to cope. And at first, at the beginning of the pandemic, it felt like it's okay if I have an extra glass of wine. I'm in a global pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And then at some point about a year and I was like, okay, I can't keep having an extra glass of wine. My head hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as good of a parent the next morning. I was having trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On top of like the sleep issues I was already having, like my blood alcohol level was not helping. <laughs> At all. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So we all found different coping mechanisms. And then we realized that we can't rely on those things because this thing is not going away. This pandemic is not going away. So anyway, so we're adding that on top of the parental stuff. So now layer that anxiety and fear Mm. of what's going on, you know, our fear for our children on top of our normal parental fears for our children. Right. And it is overwhelming. The article says it is a situation of extreme vulnerability, which is often reinforced by senses of guilt, shame, and loneliness. Mm. Uh, I do want to interject here, and we'll say this again in the podcast. If you are feeling these feelings in a way that is interrupting with you being able to live your daily life, as always, please seek professional help. We're just a couple of actors. And know that there is help. We're just a couple of actors. Who have played medical professionals. (laughs) I've worn more than one white lab coat in a commercial audition. I'm not going to lie. Didn't book them because I look like a goof. (laughs) But yes, please, please seek professional help. This is just for people who are, you know, I almost said normal parental exhaustion, which shouldn't be normal, right? Oh, man. We're also, and two, I should have looked this up, but I'm curious to see what the percentages of people who actually have a stable village around them, right? To help them take care. Because I feel as though the more moms that I come in contact with, especially in this urban setting that I live in, Mm -hmm. is that, yeah, we have a village of each other, right? With our own kids. And, you know, we pop in and out when, you know, if you need to go run an errand, you know, bring your kid up to my apartment, whatever. But like our parents aren't around grandparents, you know, just we don't have that immediate family there. And I just wonder what the percentage of that is, because that's a part of it, too. Not having the help. Right. Yep. And, you know, we don't have to necessarily pay our family. Right. Our family members like we have a nanny two days a week and it's amazing. It's beyond. But it just adds to when you don't have a village, when you don't have the help, it just really it adds to the exhaustion. And that's a societal change that's happening outside of COVID. And then COVID put us all in our houses, right? Put us into our pods if we were lucky enough to have a pod. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny that you say you should have looked it up. That might be an interesting future episode, too, is like, I've definitely read things where they're like, this is not a quote. This is just me trying to remember. Like 50 years ago, people moved on average something like within five miles from their childhood home when they bought their own home. So now many people are going to cities. They're looking for the resources that a city offers. But it's an interesting thing that people are kind of following there. You know, we have different priorities now than we did 50 or 75 years ago, particularly yeah. women. And means of travel. And means of travel and opportunities. And ways to get there. Yeah. Yes. And opportunities, for sure. Yeah. This is all affecting our ability to have some support networks. And so you get in your head. And people are having kids later. It's all affecting. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even think of that. Yes, of course. I'm in my 40s. I have a five-year-old. I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) This is dumb. This is another reason why I'm tired. Yes. Because I had all of the energy at 20-something that I spent (laughs) dancing on bars. 
Not for as a job. I did it for fun. For funsies. So one of the other reasons uh, this NLM article says, so there's perfectionism, there's self-pressure, both in relation with internalized social norms of positive parenting, which is what I feel, or with self-constructed norms, which is, I think, kind of more on your end of things, like what you're holding yourself to Yep. in, in terms of the level of, you know, experience or care, what have you that you want your children to have. And then this is a really interesting one to me, which is projection, overly concerned with our children's future and their and our own responsibility in preparing my children for their future. Oh, I need a nap now. I need a nap now. I mean, do you just like lay in bed thinking about that? Because I do all of the time and my actions, the things that I do. Right. Yep. What I did in my day, Uh, like last night. Mm-hmm. My five-year-old, he said the F you into his sister. Here's the thing. I'm human. I'm human. Did you laugh? Because I would have laughed. <laughs> I snickered a little bit. But here's the thing. My husband is a saint. He does not use that word ever in life. Mm-hmm. And it is like a big, huge no-no if the kids say it, right? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So last night he said it to her. When they were taking a bath and there with it's lots of hostility, lots of anger in this household. And for me, it was like I went like the teenage route. Or I was like, well, so what? Like, I'm human. I can say those words. I'm a grown woman. I'm he shouldn't listen. I told him not to repeat, you know. Yeah, you regressed into <laughs> your safe zone, which was age 16. Age 16 when I was a lunatic. <laughs> but that caused some tension in your home, yeah. But yeah, it was just like, whatever. And then he had to be like, no, it's not whatever. This is how it is. You have to talk to him and, you know, the whole adult thing. And then and then I laid in bed last night and I was like, what did you do? You know, in a couple human moments, you've dropped the F-bomb. Right. And he's just picked it up. <laughs> If you drop it, they will pick it up. So then that keeps you up. Of course. That kept me up. I think the what it boils down to is those moments of difference in opinion or parenting between two parents that can also cause you the anxiety that will keep you up. It's like yet another exhaustive factor. Yeah. Or as my <laughs> therapist calls them, intrusive thoughts. I have those too, where I like, I spin out of control. That's why I can't go to the playground. Because, like, too many playground injuries, too many things can go on. And I get, like, intrusive thoughts where things just go into a mom nightmare vortex. Yeah. And I have to stop them. Oof. Oh, the spiral. Well, it's interesting that you say that because we're going to talk about what happens to our lives when we get caught in that vicious cycle, right? So here we are, our worry, our anxiety keeps us up so we don't get enough sleep. Now you're in bed trying to sleep and you're stressed out about the fact that you're not getting enough sleep. Then you maybe get a couple of hours you wake up, you are not able to parent in a rational way because you didn't get enough sleep, so you're on the edge. It's a torture technique, essentially, sleep deprivation. It's a torture technique. Yes, and now you have guilt and shame about not being able to parent in a rational or even way. And guess what? That keeps you up at night. What a vulnerable state we put ourselves in, morning and night, by this vicious cycle. I may not make it to the next segment because I got to go lay down. I, really, I got to go lay down. <laughs> Blair's going to go lay down and then we'll be back right after this. When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. 
Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome back to Toddler Purgatory. We are talking about why we so tired. So before the break, we were talking about the vicious cycle, which I have to tell you, I am in all the time. And I'm going to throw one more thing in there that keeps me up. And I know that this is bad. I'm saying this to you right now. Listen, no judgment. No judgment. I have a self-righteous attitude (laughs) at the end of the night (laughs) after my son goes down where I say, this is my time to do what I want. Sometimes doing what I want is watching a murder documentary on Netflix with my husband. (laughs) It's always what I want to do. I mean, I do love it. True crime. The other thing, and I know it's bad. I love like just checking out what's going on Facebook, Instagram, like the perils of social media cannot be more clear to me. And yet somehow I have this sort of indignant feeling at the end of the day where I'm like, I deserve this. Yeah. My whole day has been insane, whether it be with parenting or auditioning or whatever. And I'm like, this is my time to like put the feet up. And then just scroll or like, yep. you know, you go into like the K-hole where like you're looking at an Instagram of an actor or someone, you know, or something, and they met an actor on the street. And you're like, oh, that actor looks familiar. What's, oh, Tom Hardy or whatever. And then you're like, let me go over to Tom Hardy's account. Let me go over to Tom Hardy. And then that just turns into a whole nother vortex <laughs> that I like. <laughs> He's a hunk. But then he does a picture of him like with a cast of a movie. And I'm like, well, what's that movie? And then I get out of Instagram. Now I'm in like the Hollywood reporter vortex or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. you just go and go and go. And then suddenly it is too late. Mm -hmm. You have exhausted all of your screen time for the day. (laughs) (laughs) What I say to my son sometimes, but like, and all of a sudden I'm like, why did I do that? Now I have the sort of shame and guilt Mm -hmm. about staying up too late doing what I thought I needed when really what I needed to do was like take a nice shower, read my book, put my feet up, have just a little bit of melatonin and go to bed. But I didn't do that. I made a bad choice and I know it's a bad choice. I'm saying it to you right now and I'll probably do it tonight. Yeah. Listen, I'm with you, Molly. You know why we do that? Because it is the one thing in our day that we do have control over. And the fact that it doesn't cause overwhelming amounts of stress and anxiety. Yeah. It's just simply... A light scroll that is a little monotonous, a little mundane, yes. but it's something that can be like a little like soothing. Right? There's something that's just like, yeah, it makes sense. And you're not the only one because I do it too. And it's always like when it's too late and I'm like, oh, I got to go to bed because it's late that I remember all of the things that I should have been doing whilst I was scrolling. Oh, sure. Definitely. And then you're just like, well, never mind. And then you have guilt about that. And you, and again, there is that word again, it, my indignation. I'm like, 
No, this is my time. At the end, I'm like, why would I spend my time like that? (laughs) You know, and then you beat yourself up. Let the cycle begin. It's such a bummer. Let the cycle never end. So the next morning you wake up, or it's not even the next morning. This is like a continuous thing, right? Exhaustion is not just one night. So the biggest thing that happens is that life becomes too much. Life is maybe in quotes, maybe bold, maybe all caps, but it's like life becomes too much. So suddenly, maybe if you have a kid who's of napping age, they go down for their nap. And you know how everyone's like, oh, you can get your cleaning done during your nap. I'm like, boo. I don't have it in me. I don't, as I like to say, I don't have the bandwidth for that. <laughs> I don't. Right now. Wonder why? Because I went to bed too late last night, like a dumbo. And also, I've been going nonstop, and this kid's shooting out serotonin left and right all in my <laughs> space, making me sleepy and tired and needing a break. So that's what I'm going to do. Thank you very much. Yeah, whether that is putting up your feet, watching Netflix in the middle of the day, go get it. I mean, get it. That's the thing, too, is that like I do have some conflicting feelings about this. I know all the quote unquote right things I'm supposed to be doing, but there's also that feeling of like, but also if you have to put your feet up and watch Netflix crime documentary in the middle of the day, sometimes I think it's very good to do that. So, you know, on the one hand, I feel like do what you have to do. And on the other hand, I know there are things that we can do to sort of increase our ability to be present in our lives in the middle of the day. Because also, you know, that also means that our relationship with our kids is suffering. Yeah. Like the logic part of my brain knows that the more sleep I get, the more I feel 100%, the more 100% I can be there for my kid. Like I know that cognitively, like I know it's there. And then somehow at night, you know, at 8.30 or whatever, it's just doesn't become the priority. And then the next day, my relationship with my kids suffers. I'm not be able to be as patient or as compassionate or as fun. Well, Molly, don't blame yourself too much for this also, because there's a little bit of responsibility that lies with these children of ours, who I think don't realize that we sleep. They may see us sleeping in our beds, but they're not calculating in their tiny little brains, oh, mommy and daddy are getting rest Mm -mm. because we are on call for them at all times, right? So they don't see us as needing sleep. They don't look at sleep as something that's like needed. They look at sleep as something that they just do. I just sleep. And if we're asleep, it keeps us away from them. Exactly. That's what they say. That's why when they come into the bedroom at two o'clock in the morning and I shoot up because I think something's wrong, but what's really happening, just want to see you. Just want to cuddle. Yeah. Well, guess what? I'm resting. I'm sleeping. I'm trying to reload. But do we have to? Oh, it's just something that you do? That's just something that you do. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. 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 But should we put the burden of that on them? Like, is it their responsibility? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I think they need to take responsibility for something (laughs) that I'm going through. Yeah, I don't. Damn it. I almost feel like it's that funny line between allowing our children to see the whole us, the whole me, right? I want them to see all sides of me Mm -hmm. and also not putting it on them like my needs as an adult. I know. I know. I know. But I think you have a point, which is that they are also human beings involved in this equation. But because we are the adults in the situation, which I hate, I hate it. We have a little more control over our situation so we can be there for them. So going back to that National Library of Medicine article, 
they say, so now, you know, they're talking about how your relationship with your kids suffers. They say, at this stage, the relationship to their children was described as something burdensome instead of rewarding. One subject said, I was a mess at home. I was unable to cope. Everything was chaotic. I did not enjoy being with my children. I would just shout all the time. I was not sharing anything with them, just controlling all the time. I thought that was an interesting one. And she said, I never sat down with my children to share a pleasant moment with them. That's tough. Never? (laughs) That's what she was feeling. Yeah. And I think that that's a very identifiable feeling. Like, oh, totally. I feel that all the time. If I can't be there. Yeah. If I'm a shell, like I sometimes I turn to my husband and I can feel that I have dead eyes. You know, dead eyes are just like, (laughs) wait, what are they like? And I just look at him with dead eyes and I say, and I look at him and I say, I'm empty inside. Or another thing I sometimes say is, I'm dead inside, (laughs) which I don't mean in life. I just mean in that moment, (laughs) which, of course, he gets because it's parental exhaustion. He gets it, too. Particularly, you know, What Fresh Hell just did an episode called Solo Parenting Season. Mm -hmm. And when and Blair, you know this, too. Blair and I are actors and we often we are blessed and so lucky to be able to work together. And very often that's not where we live. Weirdly enough, they don't shoot commercials in our house. Rude. Rude. Very rude. (laughs) How dare they? So we have to travel. So when my husband, you know, when I'm traveling, my husband is solo parenting. He feels it too. Of course. Of course. It is the vicious cycle. And it's very, very hard to get out of. And you start to feel disconnected from yourself. That's the other thing this article said. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is feeling disconnected from yourself. And then you get into that like headspace of missing your old life. Mm-hmm. And I don't even like most of the time I'm not like, oh, I miss hanging out. Oh, I miss going to this place. I miss who I was sitting down, not being bothered by anyone, you know, like being able to freely use the bathroom without like just all the things and how like well rested and happy go lucky I was. <laughs> and back then we didn't know how easy we had it. Never. Of course. And that's how it goes. And also our bodies were different. I could like stay up till 2 a.m. and then get up at 7 and be kind of fine. Oh, oh, it was a whole different ball. (laughs) So, yeah. So then you start to feel disconnected to who you are today. I think that's a good clarification, Blair, that you just made, which is like, it's not just that we're feeling disconnected from ourselves. We're feeling connected from the time we are in. You know how that phrase be here now? We are unable to be here now. Yeah. Yeah, Because we are disconnected from our kids. We're disconnected from our life. I don't want to clean the house. I never want to clean the house. But I especially don't want to clean the house when I am raw, dead-eye, dead inside. So you're disconnected from life's responsibilities. And it's really hard to break out of that. But when we come back, we're going to talk about how we can get ourselves out of this. Yeah. We can do it. Dang it. Dagnabbit. See you after the break. Dagnabbit. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. 
I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. We're back at Toddler Purgatory talking about why we're so darn tired. I think we covered that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mentally and physically. We could talk till tonight about how tired we are. I know. All right. So how do we break this cycle? Man, we start to feel disconnected from ourselves and our children and our lives. So what can we do to get out of this? I read a blog post on The Every Mom, which I had never read before. And I thought it was a really nice blog. I'm going to go back to it and kind of delve in a little deeper. But this one was about mom fatigue. And this is a list of five things which I liked because it's pretty simple. It's pretty like intuitive, but a great reminder and maybe something, I don't know, we can write out and put on the wall. (laughs) Just like we do for our kids, right? (laughs) Maybe we do a sticker system, like a reward system for ourselves. A reward, reward yourself for these. For doing these things. Yes. Great. Now I'm stressed out about getting the stickers off Amazon. Is it going to come in time? Oh, no. Supply chains. That is an interesting idea. Like I say, you know, to my friends or husband or something, I got to keep the phone out of the room, right? That's one of my goals is to keep my cell phone out of the bedroom. And it's really hard because snuggling down in those covers. Oh, let me tell you something. Playing a little two dots. Mm-hmm. Come on, two dots. I don't know if you played two dots. It's pretty mindless, but... I've never played it, but it sounds heavenly. It's heavenly, frankly. It sounds so simple and heavenly. Oh, it's so simple. And it's just like, you can just zone out and play two dots, snuggled under your cuff-cuffs. But really, so my goal is that. And that's an interesting idea is to set up a reward system for myself, right? Maybe it is a sticker chart. <laughs> that could get dangerous. I mean, I'll stick to a sticker chart for about 2.5 days and I'll be like, all right, tonight you get a this. reward of Mezcal. <laughs> Well, I was actually going to say that for me, a kind of nice little outing is to like go to Dunkin' Donuts for a small coffee. Remember when small coffee used to be a dollar or like 75 cents? Not anymore. Yeah. But maybe not anymore, dear. Not anymore. But maybe that's what it is. Maybe that is what it is. Like the adult version of a sticker chart. Keep your phone out of your room. That kind of thing. So this list on the every mom. You tell me how that goes, Molly. I will. <laughs> Keep my phone out of my room. But you know, I'll just hang out in the hallway outside my bedroom until 11 o'clock at night because the rule is that I can't have my phone in. Your husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, <laughs> what are you doing? Come to bed. Actually, no electronics in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, so you're going to sit on the floor of the hallway in your pajamas? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm playing two dots. Go to bed. So number one is make sleep a priority. I've done that. Actually, I will say that in the past, like, I tell you what I did. I'm going to give you a little TMI, but necessary. I had, I've talked about this before. I had really bad endometriosis. I was suffering. I ended up having a hysterectomy. I still wasn't feeling all that great. Even after like the eight weeks, you know, however long it takes to, you know, recover. Mm -hmm. But then I started taking vitamins, liquid vitamins, I started taking liquid vitamins in the morning with a probiotic 
and vitamin K and D spray in my mouth. Ha! Huh. And then at night, I took a nighttime liquid multivitamin. It changed me. I'm not even gonna lie. It changed me. I've been sleeping so much better. I'll tell you this much. I went to bed last night at 9.30. I got up at 7.15. How you like me now? I'm still tired. How you like me now? I'm so, but it's the quality. So I will say that like making sleep a priority, Mm -hmm. like just kind of shutting the phone off. I do do that because I also just really, really, really love sleep and I'm good at I'm actually really if I got paid to sleep, (laughs) I'd be a mega millionaire. (laughs) But the vitamins really, really help me. Can I ask a question? Sure. Why liquid? Because they go to your bloodstream quicker. Okay. They get there quicker. Anything that gets there quicker, mama's down with. And I was taking like this prenatal vitamin and then I took a postnatal and I was just like, but these liquid vitamins I'd read huge reviews about them. Mary Ruth's. She doesn't sponsor us. Mary Ruth, you're more than welcome to, though. Not yet. But yeah, I will say they don't taste all that great. But I felt the difference literally in days. And I still and now it's become like a thing for me is that I have to I'm pretty regimented about it. And I'm not regimented about much. (laughs) Well, that's interesting because that's actually number two on the list is eat right, which I think is part of that. Like you're getting the vitamins that you need. Yeah. The eating. I mean, I will like back up that <laughs> those morning vitamins with a donut, but. <laughs> oh, it's all about balance. <laughs> it's all about balance. But it is true. I do notice that if you have even fructose, even like not apples, we're a real apple family. But if you have sugary foods too late, that kind of thing, if you're eating a well-balanced diet, eating all your colors, as they say, Do you follow that Instagram, Kids Eat in Color? It's such a great one. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's really good. But yeah, if you're eating all your colors and your kids are and your family is and you're just, (laughs) it's all about like living as healthy a lifestyle as you can handle right now, you know? Right. Including watching the caffeine is number three. I probably have a cutoff of 3 p.m. for caffeine. I could probably push it to noon. Yeah. I probably don't need that afternoon latte. I do. I do need that afternoon latte. I tell you what I started doing. I don't have lattes. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) I wish I wish I, I need it. I only have one cup of coffee or an oat milk latte. Oh, that's right. As I like to, you make them. Yes, I like to make myself a nice. Little, I make them, and I make them pretty good. Anybody that wants to come by my house, I will make you an oat milk latte, and it is delish. You know what we should do? We should put your recipe on the toddler purgatory website. Let's do it because it's because you've told me about it before, and it sounds really good. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to boast or brag, but I'm drinking it right now. I'm not just the president. I'm also a client. That was an old school reference. <laughs> this is what Blair does to keep awake during the day. My oat milk latte. And then that's the only like morning caffeine that I have. And then you know what I started getting? Caffeinated seltzers. Oh, that's interesting. It has green tea in them. That's where the caffeine comes from. It's like, you know, just like a, it's not a hard seltzer. That's what later. But it's like just like a regular degular schmegler seltzer but it has seltzer green tea in them also a green tea sometimes tastes like dirt does it taste like dirt it does not because it's like different flavors like this one is for it's target brand okay yeah and it does the trick no sugar but it doesn't have sugar in it because my whole thing is like just have a coke but a coke has a ton of sugar right so no this is no sugar baby no sugar yeah it's just like a seltzer but it has 
green tea and it uh, the dirt flavor. I mean, I love green tea. Don't get me wrong, but it does taste a little bit like dirt. So every now and then it does have a little like mm, earthy, earthy taste. Oh, is that earth? Is that a dirt worm? I'm yeah. So that helps. But if I also love the taste of coffee, so I'll have myself a little decaf coffee. Oh yeah, me too. I love a decaf. So anyway, let's do that. Let's watch our caffeine. Let's eat right and try and eat as balanced as we can. Do our best. I mean, let's be honest. We're all in survival mode here. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sleep a priority. One other suggestion that the every mom makes is wake up early. This I read this in an article as well. So many times, I haven't done this yet, and maybe this is something I should seriously consider, is getting up before your child, which hurts my chest when I said that. It felt like a cold <laughs> hand of death just squeezed my heart. Wake up early and do your thing. We've talked about this in the past, too. Like about routines. Wake up and do your thing, whatever that is. Obviously, there are good things. Yoga, meditation. One article said she just takes a hot shower. She's like, if I get up early enough to take a hot shower before my kids get up, I am a better person. (laughs) That was her like, you know, strength was if I get up and shower, now I'm okay. Which is tough. My husband and I both, you know, our later sleepers and our kid, most of us are, you know, kids wake up (laughs) abhorrently early. But yeah, wake up early and do your thing. The every mom suggests Wake up early and work out. Hard no. Not this mom. Hard no. Hard no. Mm-mm. Not every mom. Mm-mm. Not every mom. <laughs> nope. But I do think it's a great idea, but I just don't think it's in my capabilities. I envy anybody. My husband does it. My husband, when we were going to, when he went to work, he'd leave the house at a quarter to six so he could go to work and they have a gym and he'd work out. A quarter to six in the a.m. Mm-hmm. Unless you're four- and your natural clock gets you up at 545. <laughs> That's unacceptable. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Well, let me tell you, this man is in tip top shape and has all the energy in the world, can play with his kids for days. But do not use an adult word. It does never uses an adult word. <laughs> Eats right. It sounds bleeping crazy to me. It is. Uh, I love it. But hey, the final thing that we should all do, and this is a big one, I think, and this goes back to what you were talking about, Blair, about our community, about our tribe, our network, right? This is huge. Ask for help. A lot of times, because either we have this feeling inside of our chest that we want to be super mom, or we feel the societal expectations. We've talked about this on past episodes, those perfect Instagram accounts, judgment, you know, or fear of judgment on the playground, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So we have all these things inside of us that are pushing us to be perfect, pushing us to be the super mom that we truly want to be too. Like, I want to be a great mom to my kid. Of course, of course I do. You are. Hey, thanks. Thanks, boobs. We're always so concerned with wanting to be. I think that concern in itself means that you're doing a bang up job. (gasps) Listening to our podcast because you care about your kids and the kind of parent you are means you're already doing okay. You're doing a good job, girl. You're doing a good (laughs) job. (laughs) That having been said, ask for help if you need it. Whether it be from your partner, your neighbor, your friend. If you can, you know, not have your afternoon latte for a couple weeks and that gives you money to have a housekeeper come in every two weeks and do a light clean. You don't even have to do a deep clean or whatever. And that takes some pressure off of you and takes that little thing in your head that keeps you up at night that says, I wish my house was cleaner. Mm. Why is my house so crazy all the time? You know, that kind of thing. Ask for help. And I got to say, Blair, also to what you said earlier, I don't know, engage your kids too. If the kind of thing that you can't get to, yeah, I'm looking at the living room of the Airbnb we're staying in and it looks like... A toy giant yeah. took a poop and just pooped toys all over our... Toy poop. poop toys. All over the place. Have them help. 
have them help get that into their routines. We have another episode about getting our kids into good routines and clean up, clean up. Everybody clean up was a big part of it. Listen, they have to know, as we've said before on this podcast, that we're human, right? And they have to know that mm-hmm. mommy needs to rest. Mommy needs sleep. You know how you sleep at night and you have, you know, you get red books and get this whole yep. thing, this grandiose red carpet rolled out for you before your sleepy time. Well, mommy needs that too. And it's important for mommy. And also the running of the household does not fall on one set of shoulders. It takes a team to make this household work. So loop in your team. Oh, thanks for listening today. You guys are the best. We're so grateful for you as our listeners. And we love engaging with you on the Facebook page. What fresh hell you can go listen to these episodes on toddlerpurgatory.com visit the Wet Fresh Hell Instagram and we can engage and hear all about how you guys are doing. And as always, go to the Facebook page if you have any episode ideas. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Thanks, you guys. All that stuff. Take good care of yourselves. Get some sleep. Get some sleep. Love you. Bye. Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayeni, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom in Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk, and let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode.
Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking